0: Hey folks, it's Adam Summer for the heartlandcollective.com. You can support our universe of work by going to theheartlandcollective.com and signing up to be a member today, giving you access to extra shows and all of our written work as well. Check out theheartlandcollective.com for pieces from myself, Rachel Parker, Jess Piper, and other authors as they contribute, plus our universe of shows: Dirt Road Democrat, The Heartland Pod, Collective Bargain, The Delta, Resolute Desk, and more. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. And we hope you check out the com. Now, back to the show. On this episode of the Heartland Pod for Monday, January 29th, 2024, the Colorado GOP has abandoned the pretense of reason. Good people are starting to reach the breaking point. A novel approach to higher education funding. Shifting sands of political media... Republicans across America have some big, big feelings. And our 2024 election coverage era rolls on. Lots to do, so let's go. Welcome to the Heartland Pod, where we are working together to change the conversation in politics. My name is Adam Summer. I'm one of your hosts, along with Rachel Parker and Sean. Diller will go around the horn in a second. I'll start by saying I am sipping on a big cup of coffee with an espresso shot, and been drinking it for for some some time now. Uh, and I'm very excited and nervous and trepidatious. Uh, I had a crazy busy week, so I didn't have a lot of time to overthink the fact that the Chiefs are in their sixth straight AFC Championship game uh and (laughs) it's insane and amazing and so cool and i'm uh, super excited for that game which is why again we're recording early and if they make the super bowl we'll have to do that one more time appreciate you guys adjusting rachel parker how about you how was the week and what you sit on
1: (laughs) excuse me the week was the week was really good um i don't know what else to say let's leave it at that the week was really good
0: uh you got a bunch of stuff published over on the heartland collective this week yeah
1: we 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 had some cool stuff over there um i have i have we're gonna launch a new feature uh tomorrow i think um i want people to keep those submissions coming i know that they are not live on the site yet it's because i was trying to sort of figure out the how the how and where of it all and then right in the middle of that um a new project dropped into my lap that is the how i'm going to uh pay my bills this winter so it's like Got to deal with that too. So that's uh, always
0: part of our equation is like, like yeah, this week, I was just uh, like, yeah. I can't do anything special for the show because yeah. I have trial. And, and it's then, just like, that's how then, it works. And this
1: is, and this is what happens, by the way, for, and I'm sipping on coffee and I haven't had enough. But just so you guys know, like what Adam, when Adam says that, this is what's so hilarious. So that we, we did, I, we launched a new feature called One Thing With, which uh, some of Poor kind of does and I love. So this idea of like, what do you think of this? Respond to it. And I asked Adam, like, what do you think of Fanny Willis in Georgia? And he said that she should resign. And I was like, show your work. And then it was just, like, this perfect, like, 200-word thing. And I was like, thank you, sir. And it just goes right on the website. So, it turns out half yeah. of our
0: Slack conversations uh, can, in yeah, fact, yeah, turn into yeah, articles. Yeah. So that's And handy. that's the
1: whole thing. It's like it's like that most people, that's what I've, uh, like, I love that one submission we got this week said I thought I should give it to you rather than just posting it on Twitter. And I was like, yes, because it has a different life when you push it into it does. a, a It just has a different context.
0: And that's a perfect, like, if you're a listener who wants to, you know, you have something really good to put in a thread on Twitter. That's great. You can still, by the way, make your personal thread on Twitter. Yeah. But if you'd like to put it somewhere, that's the point of the Heartland Collective. It's not just for us to write, but the collective is, let's bring folks together. If you have a voice and you want to share that and have a, a, a viewpoint that you think would be useful submit yeah. it and and we'll we'll take a look there's a button on the website that you can get a hold of us at com. so rachel what you sipping on we'll get we'll get sean going
1: i'm sipping on coffee and i should have started earlier so we'll see how it goes because my brain hasn't quite caught up with my mouth yet we'll see that'll probably happen like five minutes before we stop recording so
0: yeah it's yeah, like the grown-up version of stretching in gym class, <laughs> you got to start early and often. Sean Diller, man, how about you? Uh, how you doing? And what you sipping on?
2: I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, I'm sipping on uh, some ice water and some black coffee. Mm-hmm. The uh, the original duo. Amen. No, the week's really been good. I was just thinking about what anecdote <laughs> to go with, and uh, my my five year old daughter. She just had her uh, fourth Saturday of tennis at the Parks Department, which you know. She's not super motivated to go. It's in the morning. She's like, mm-hmm. God, I don't, I don't like tennis. And I'm like, what? You know, like, she's like, well, I don't like going to this thing. I like right. playing with you. And I'm like, okay, well, you still can't just be a quitter. It was only four Saturdays. Like, don't be a quitter. We're not quitters. Right. Um, she's like, okay. And then I was like, to sweeten the deal, you know, like if you get through without quitting, you know, all the sessions, we'll do homemade chocolate ice cream at home. And she's like, okay, great. And then really how perfect she is. So like after the, after she goes to tennis, we go to Walmart, we're going to get some half and half and, you know, stuff for homemade ice cream. And then she's like, uh, she sees the donuts and she's like, can we get donuts and ice cream? And I'm like, well, no, like you can get a donut instead, or we can go home and make the homemade ice cream. It takes a little longer, but it'll probably better. She's like, okay, let's do homemade ice cream. And then we get home. She wants to really go roller skating and I have to leave to like, you know, go do something else. So she gets another choice. And it's like, so do you want to do a lap of roller skating in the neighborhood? Or are we going to do the ice cream? And she picks the roller skating. And I'm just like, yes, yes. Okay.
0: Consequences. (laughs) Well, we are going to jump into our talk in politics and all of our topics here. Talking politics. All right, for those of you from out of state, just I wanted to welcome you in uh, to Missouri, where our GOP supermajority puts the fun in dysfunction. It's a really good time right now. Um, it, we're not we're not going to do a ton of uh, Missouri stuff this week because it's. I don't think we can add anything uh, to what's going on. So I'll just encourage folks if you if you haven't been paying attention, uh, just Google. Missouri Freedom Caucus. Just give it a go. Just give it a Google. If you don't know what's going on here, spend five minutes uh, and, you know, just be warned, be in a place where you can laugh out loud uh, because you will, and it's insane. Uh, But before we get to the true or false, just a quick hit. So uh, I know folks have probably seen something about this. It's becoming uh, a national story. And in fact, uh, a similar version of this was actually on. I watched SNL last night. Justin Timberlake was on. Uh, he's still very good at music, by the way. The uh, They had a joke on Weekend Update about Texas, about uh, teen pregnancies being up in Texas. And, you know, obviously that's SNL. They're going for a different angle on it. But this is from LoneStarLive.com. And they are talking about a, a study that Texas has the most rape-related pregnancies of any state with abortion ban uh, and basically post DOBS pregnancies uh, as the result of rape are up. Uh, teen pregnancies are up, right? All of these things are happening. Contraceptives can be harder to find in these same states. Uh, and it's, it's really just unbelievable what is going on out there. Uh, states with the next highest estimated totals of rape-related pregnancies, according to this uh, from LoneStarLife.com, this study, Missouri at 5,800. Tennessee five thousand, Arkansas forty seven hundred, Louisiana forty three hundred, Alabama forty one hundred. Rachel, what do those states have in common?
1: Um, they have near total abortion bans. Um, yeah. and they insist. So, I want to say too, like if you so Texas, although it has the highest, I'm going to say that I wonder if you ran the population numbers, if the percentage is about this, if the kind of like amount of rape related pregnancies per, per capita are about the same in say Texas and Missouri. Um, because Missouri That's a fair is a point. state, right? So, you know, I mean, Houston is a massive Metroplex. Dallas is a massive Metroplex. Austin has a lot of people. Um, I don't right. know the exact populations, but anyway, um, and Greg Abbott upon, so I really want everybody to go to the collective, the com, and read Jess Piper's. Um, yes. beautiful. I mean, I, I was so sickened when I read this. And I was like, what can I do? And I was like, I'll, I'll let Jess Piper be the voice of this issue because she's so eloquent and um, passionate about it. And mm-hmm. she did a killer. She just demanded, did she ever deliver? Um, I want to say that the day that this news broke, so it was the Journal of the American Medical Association published yeah. these statistics, and it just they just kind of went everywhere. There was a story in The Guardian. There was a story in The, in the uh, Texas Tribune. And there, was, there were stories everywhere about it. Um, not enough, not enough stories, but there were a lot. Right, and what caught my eye is that uh, Greg Abbott, who is a, a a terrible piece of shit of a yeah. human being, human said, yeah. "Who, yeah, who said, um, we don't really have an abortion ban for uh, rape victims because if, as long as they report their crimes to the police, then they can get an abortion." And I thought, okay, that's such a that's such a failed point because. Most women don't, no one, men or women, children, don't report right. uh, sexual assault. If you are a child, and a child is anyone under 18, let's be clear, uh, You, what are you going to do if the person who sexually assaults you and impregnates you is a teacher or a coach or a neighbor or someone you know? Right. Or, like or a, a relative,
0: like, which statistically all of like, that all would, of those, that is yeah. the list, like yeah. almost 100%. So,
1: so only something like 20 to 21% of of women report sexual being sexually assaulted. Um and then you also have to like have the police report confirming that it was sexual assault. Correct. And I like all of it is so uh, abhorrent, but the day that this was released, the governor of Missouri tweeted how proud he was that no women had a single abortion in his state after right. he signed this trigger ban. So, um This issue isn't going to go away. Nope. Uh, This issue is more complicated than these idiots and just craven amoral uh, so-called life warriors, right to life warriors, want to believe it is. Um, I think they know that. I think they know the gig is up, but I don't think they really know what to do. So we're going to be spending a lot of time writing about this this week on The Collective. If I'm the only person that has to write about it every day, then I will. But I am going to be seeking some input from some other voices and... Um, Even if it doesn't come out next week, we'll we'll see how it goes. But this is this is what we said was going to happen. We said that there were going to be, you know, thousands and thousands of women. It's tens of thousands of women. And we don't know what percentage of those people were unable to uh, terminate those pregnancies by other means. And therefore, how many of them were forced to carry their rapist child to term?
0: Absolutely. Sean, from a political angle, just real quick before we move on. Um, I've, uh, we were out yesterday on Saturday, uh, which is two days ago. If you're listening to the podcast version, uh, we had a kids birthday party thing and we went to eat lunch afterwards, uh, as a family. And we pull up to the local Mexican restaurant that we like to go to. And next to us is a vehicle. And on that vehicle is one bumper sticker. And that one bumper sticker said, if men could get pregnant. Abortion would be a sacrament in Warrensburg, middle of red state Trump country, wow. Missouri. Right?
2: Yeah. Gosh, that's a smart. Whoever
0: wrote that, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. because of the bullshit, you know, suffering uh, by the the men who are. Making these bans happen, mm-hmm. they're
0: acting like they're actually being persecuted. Help yeah, women yeah help absolutely. There too. are women who help. There's no doubt about that. True.
1: K. I. V. Don't let don't snooze on K. I. V. She was one of the first governors to sign abortion bans back in 2019. Governor yeah. Alabama, woman. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, it's
2: true. Yeah. Um, I mean, all I can think of is just, you know, how how upsetting it is. Really. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I have two daughters, and um, you know, when my first daughter was born my wife had severe preeclampsia she almost died she it was a horrendous uh extremely scary um mm-hmm. and you know the the issue of quote unquote like abortion wasn't part of our it wasn't ever part of what needed to happen but she was luckily thank god she works at the hospital right, right, right. um so she and she's always had you know regular you know, decent health and she had her blood pressure checked and uh and it was a little high for her, which she vocalized. Um maybe we should check it again. And then in the time like the 10 minutes between those two checks, like it went from 140 to like 180. My um, God. And they were like, We need to admit you right away. You know, um we don't know what else is gonna happen, but we did <laughs> we know <laughs> we're admitting you. Um so Yeah. And it's like, it's just really upsetting because the, you know, the word policy, I learned this like in undergrad, I was a political science major, you know, policy is about the outcome. So, you know, like if you take a really wonky, dry topic, you know, as a policy, the government does not want businesses hoarding money. And so there's something called the accumulated earnings tax, you know, (laughs) and so as a policy, they try to get businesses to, um you know, send out money in terms of dividends um, or spend it, you know, so that's a policy here. The policy was to end abortions Correct. and like all the other things that are happening are also part of the policy. They're that's unintended right. Consequences, and there needs to be a reckoning.
0: Unintended, um, but not necessarily unknown or unforeseeable. Right? Exactly. Because exactly. we've talked about it. Everyone who talks the way that we talk, right, has talked about this stuff from the word go. That this is what was going to happen. This was the truth about effect. Yeah, we For knew it decades. was coming. And here we are. So, just something to keep keep thinking about and keep talking about, and we won't drop the ball on that anytime soon. But let's move on to the true or false. All right, we're going to start over in Colorado for this one. Sean, uh, here's the true or false. Here's the phrasing. I'll kick it to Sean first. True or false, Colorado is on the verge of becoming a Democratic stronghold. The reason I ask is, uh, this is a story from the Colorado Newsline. The Colorado Republican Party has formally voted already to endorse Donald Trump for president. So, for those playing at home, uh, one thing that state parties typically don't do, and often, by the way, and I believe in Colorado this is true. I know it's true in Missouri, are typically precluded by law from interfering with primaries. Which is one of those like, if you're ever like, why won't the party just step in? And well, because they're legally obligated not to in primaries uh, here. So. Colorado Republican Party said, hold my beer, earlier this month – this is from the article – earlier this month, the Colorado Republican Party became the only – only the second state party in the nation uh, to endorse Donald Trump in his campaign to be president. Again, the state GOP's own bylaws say it can't take sides in a Republican primary contest. The party's job is to support Republican, Republican candidates, not any particular Republican candidate, unless that candidate is unopposed. Sean, what do you think?
2: I think it's true. Colorado is becoming a Democratic stronghold and in no small part because of the complete dysfunction of the Colorado GOP. I mean, they've really shit the bed in lots of different ways. You know, I was trying to double check if the guy I thought was the Colorado GOP chair was still in the job. This guy, Dave Williams, who's just like a Trump acolyte and, you know, a guy with, you know, he's like challenged Uh, Republican congressman in primaries before and, you know, he's just been this bomb thrower. Um,
0: Acolyte's a good word. Yeah,
2: yeah. And so he's still the chair. But in that little search that I did of like just CO, GOP chair, one of the top news articles was about some county GOP chair here who's resigning because of criminal investigations into him. Mm -hmm. And then like the primary in the Colorado 4th, they just had a debate and uh, six of the nine GOP candidates have been arrested or have criminal, uh, you know, backgrounds. And you see the reason, and it's like the, the party has become this Trump party and Trump is all about insults and aggression. Yeah. Revenge, grievance. It's not about policy. Right. And so at the local level and at the state level and every level in between, you've seen what that, that void has produced in terms of just a bunch of it's almost like
0: appointing a open and known criminal as the leader of their party for a decade essentially has caused the people to follow that party to also mimic that behavior and draw more of those people in. Is right, right. It's like crazy.
2: I <laughs> did, they... Yeah, it's like imagine like a, it's like the Olympics and it's like this big track gold medal race and like 30 percent of the audience really is just rooting for whoever is most likely to shove the guy with the starter's pistol off of his like thing.
0: Right. Uh, <laughs> grab the gold medal and declare themselves the winner. Right. whatever without, <laughs> right. without ever running the race. Rachel, what do you think? True or false here?
1: Oh, it's true. Uh, hold I kinda, on. Hold on. When, Before when... you
0: start talking, you said so, it's true. Yeah. All right, I want to give this real quick. <laughs> all right, go ahead. <laughs> um,
1: I went. Okay, so I want to take a minor victory lap, not a major one, because it's not like you guys disagreed with me. But early in our re- relationship, early on mm-hmm. in our in our time together, um, you know, the second what always happens in American politics is the second that a president is elected, the press starts going, "What about in four years?" You know, that's what mm-hmm. they all do. It's ridiculous. And in this case, I could understand why, because everybody was like, is he going to run again? And It was, there was just early fascination. And I said, I, I wish I could find it uh, Some a few times, something to the effect of the long term effect of Trump is that these state parties are going to fall apart because they're not going to have the infrastructure to support themselves or anybody else because he is a chaos agent. And that's his brand. His brand is I bring chaos. And it's okay for him. I mean, I would say probably not now. I would say maybe he might want to pull back from the cast just a little bit. Eighty-four million dollars. Um, but uh, that is what he's. <clears throat> you, you reap what you sow, and because there, you still. I don't care who you are. Let's let's say tomorrow that Nikki Haley becomes the nominee, which seems unlikely. You still want every single state. And down to the local committee and everything, like Nikki Haley won in won a lot of points in New Hampshire because of this one tiny county that has a lot of swing voters in it. And their party was able to schedule events and she was able to coordinate with those. You need those people on the ground to help you campaign everywhere. Ask a Democrat how well that's working out for us, right? So without the, so I knew this was going to happen. I knew the whole place was going to fall apart like an overcooked turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you lose a state like Colorado, which used to be reliably Republican, right? Maybe more of a libertarian Republicanism, but not
0: quite yeah, that a, Western Republican.
1: I mean, Republican. it became more evangelical and weird because of Colorado Springs. We've talked about that before many right. times prior, but, uh. And now it looks like, I mean, we'll talk about this later in the show, but like, I'm looking at Arizona, like they're Next not going to be able to keep it together. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep.
1: Right. And like, I, so yeah, we know, all, we like, all
0: were so fixated on Texas. Remember that? Remember it was like yeah. Texas, like in 2016 in 2012, it was like Texas, 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 Texas. Turns out uh, maybe not Texas, but Colorado, right. Arizona, uh, New Mexico and, Mike,
1: and like, and look Georgia. who they were like, yeah, right. Like, Michael Bennett's a good, I'm not, ai mean, Hick is whatever. He's pretty generic, like Democrat. I really like the fact that Michael Bennett is a, still a member of the Senate. Right he,
3: right.
1: he easily won reelection because they tried to run this Trumpy idiot against him. And he had no quarter because of abortion. So, uh, yeah, true. I'm just going to say true. Colorado. Yeah. Well, c- congratulations, Colorado. Um, I hated you when, when I lived there. I love you now. I don't know what else to say.
0: Yeah. So I'll be there in May. I'm looking forward to it. Sounds like it's an even better place than the last time I was there a year ago. So, moving on to uh, the yeah no,
3: yeah no, yeah
0: uh, the yeah no. Uh, the fascists are driving off the good people because that's how that works. Uh, at some point in time, is the the folks who have no filter or limit or logical reasoning or ability to understand the consequences of their actions or care to understand the consequences of their actions. Uh, This is an article from The Guardian, U.S. elected officials avoiding topics of abortion and gun control over fear of threats. Uh, Throughout this article, it gets into not just we're not just talking about high level stuff. Uh, it is impacting local politics, municipal races, county races, things like that, state races, uh, where essentially this – and it is a minority. It is a loud minority of people who are causing this fear. Uh, this was a excerpt from the article, a major survey by the Brennan Center for Justice released on Thursday of last week warned that the spate of extremist intimidation that has been seen nationally in the U.S., epitomized by the attack on the Capitol building on January 6, 2021, is also sweeping local and state politics, and the fallout elected individuals are limiting their interactions with constituents and narrowing the contentious topics they are prepared to take on. I can tell you firsthand uh, I experienced part of this um, I wound up having to prosecute. This has been some time ago and it was all in open court. So uh, I wound up having to prosecute a case uh, of a person who went to a school board meeting and did the, you know, we've all seen the videos. They stand up, they interrupt, they're a problem. They were doing that. They were recording it the whole time because they certainly felt justified in their actions. And what they wound up recording uh, was whoops, a crime. And so they got prosecuted for their crime and then they uh, appealed it so that because there's a municipal case and in Missouri, you can have two trials basically. And so we had a second trial and they were found guilty a second time uh, in a slightly longer uh, trial with a slightly worse penalty as a result of it. So it was just one of those things where it was a, it was a perfect microcosm and The people that served on the school board at the time, by the way, I'm not talking about like a 10-person panel of hardcore lefties. I'm talking about a a generally Republican voting county uh, and a school board elected inside of that county. So it was a pretty good mix of folks, and and mostly Republicans, and none of them were happy, right? None of them were like, "Yay, this person completely bogged down our ability to do business by being an asshole for thirty-five minutes." We're so happy because they were, you know, speaking on behalf of the little. No, they were all not happy about it, and not thrilled, and it, it causes problems with these local politics. Uh, Rachel, anything to add here?
1: Um. I, I hope that uh in the end it is a very it's a it's a long good article, but um and it, you know, I, I I wouldn't I don't be fatalistic is what I want to say to people mm-hmm. in these times. Like don't you don't have to look at it all and throw your hands up and go, um, what what are we to do? Um we need we need good lawyers, I think. Right and right now is the time if you're an attorney um and you have free time, uh, or you're trying to figure out like what can you do to help, um, start interrogating. Uh, some of your kind of local institutions to see if your presence in the room will help because sometimes when adults show up who speak clearly and are, the reason I say lawyers is because lawyers are used to contentious situations and they're used to kind of keeping the temperature down in the room. They're good at it. Um, It's it's part of the skill set of being a good lawyer is to know when and how to sort of um, control the emotional content of a conversation, right? Right. Like that's part of what you guys do. And so I think like we need a few more good lawyers who are reasonably seasoned at uh, not necessarily litigation, but certainly negotiation um, right. to right. start showing up at some of these meetings, get, get, a get your head around what's going on and just be one of those adults that doesn't, that knows how to sort of stand firmly in one place who can't be budged so that these absolute nihilistic self-destructive amoral cr- cr- criminally inclined bombastic maybe mentally ill who knows people have less if anybody's ever dealt with a narcissist the minute that you just stand there and go no right really calmly over and over and over again eventually they get worn out but we need a lot of people to be that presence in the room so that's that's my that's my input
0: yeah, I think that's that's well said, and I will I will tweak it slightly on uh, how I agree with it because I do think having somebody who can litigate and negotiate is ideal if you can find them because knowing what it looks like on the other side of negotiation makes you a more effective negotiator. Typically, uh, when you know what fight is about to happen and whether or not you can or cannot win that fight is very very. Very very helpful because the answer to the question "Can I get sued for this?" is always yes that's not the question that matters. The question that matters is can you be held liable or can you win That is the question that matters uh, which Eugene Carroll can tell all of us uh, Sean, how about you uh, input on this one?
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know from the perspective of you know local elected officials or someone running um, you know if you're if you're a member of Congress you know your, your safety is going to be, you know, less endangered. Um, and you're going to have resources. Like when you say something like, Hey, I'm worried about this person, you know, people will snap to action. Um, but you know, I just really, the, the thing that came to mind for me is like, you know, social media is not going to help you if you're a Democrat running for local office in a Republican area, like, there's no reason for you to be on social media. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. And like, go ahead and make your phone calls, raise your money. And you know, social media is not even how you talk to your supporters because you have no way of actually knowing that they're seeing it. Like some of them will see it, but most of them won't. No, you're not, you're not convincing anybody of anything on social media and you know, just keep it simple, stupid make your phone calls and then have someone else do it so that when some enraged person does start threatening you on, on social media, you're not wondering what to do, but then some ad consultant or whoever's on your campaign can respond to the person saying, this is a campaign account. This has been referred to the police. You've been blocked. Stop. But yeah, yeah, social media is not, is not a real part of your campaign and bring on the letters. Um,
0: yeah. No, that's, that's, that's well said. That's what, yeah. let's, let's move on here. Yeah. 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 All right, this is a yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, it's an Axios uh, story. The headline is exclusive uh, CUNY journalism program goes tuition free. So this is uh, Sean's old stomping ground uh, city university, New York. Uh, I will start with Rachel. You submitted this to the yeah. Yeah. And let you, take it from here for a couple of minutes and we'll turn it to Sean.
1: Yeah. So one of the good uh, tech people who I, who I um, maybe don't agree with everything he does about, I don't need to, is Craig Newmark. He's the founder of Craigslist and he's, he's, he's a very wealthy man um, and he is creating an endowment for the school of journalism at, uh, at CUNY so that, um, you know, basically like he, that we can train the next generation of journalists. and They don't have to spend any money on tuition. And what I love about it, people do this all the time. People make endowments all the time. Um, it, it's kind of a. I he's one of the people. So if you look at what really helped bring down the cash flow of newspapers, people think about Facebook and Google. And it's true, they they sort of like were the nail, the, the last nail in the coffin. But the real hemorrhage came when this site called Craigslist offered people free classified ads. Classified ads were what kept the newspaper machine going it was this huge, you know, listing at the back of the paper where everybody had to put everything. You had to put death notices. You, if you wanted to sell anything, you had to go through your local newspaper and that's how they made money. That's how they kind of kept the, 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 certainly the ads in the, you know, the bigger ads and stuff. I'm not saying that those weren't important, but I'm saying like the 30%, I don't know what it was. It was a huge percentage. So,
0: right. So Basically it's the this classifieds. Is,
1: yeah. So, so this is a, uh, I, this is what I would like to see more of them doing. I would really like to see a bunch of like civic minded billionaires, like Mark Cuban types, who I also don't agree with all the time, go around the country and start buying up failing newspapers, turning them into nonprofits, creating a trust and entrusting that uh, those newspapers to a board of directors who can then hire uh, uh, I'll say fractional writers from all over the country because um we need more help but this is a good place to start and it's a good example and i just think like good for craig newmark just keeps still leading the pack for me as like one of these dudes from silicon valley who's not a complete uh douchebag and he really puts his money where his mouth is and i really respect that
0: sean
2: i'll always be super proud to be a cuny graduate cuny law school it's fantastic reasonably priced one of the most progressive in the country CUNY used to be free for everybody. CUNY undergraduate degrees and tuition should be free for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, um, those are things that I wanted to say. I also wanted to say on journalism, like, you know, we've talked about the cratering journalism business and what's happening in the LA times and, um, other places, Baltimore sun, um, and yeah, political had just good, got
0: bought by fucking Sinclair. Ugh.
2: Right. Right. And so Politico had a, a good little article talking about, you know, just what's happening in the industry. And, you know, Rachel nailed it in terms of like revenue, you know, what's happening to the newspapers is pretty, is pretty simple. Um, But um, there was this great quote from, I guess, Ambrose Bierce in the 1880s, which I don't even know who that is, but talking about, you know, troubles in the journalism industry. And he goes, he's talking to journalists and he says, from whom my friends do you hear all this talk about the great good wrought by the press? It's vigilant guardianship of the public interest. It's conservatives of the public morals. Why? From the newspapers and from those who accept their word without analysis. (laughs)
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) And so, you know, the question of like, what's good, what's bad, you know, after being a philosophy major for a little while, you know, I know not to indulge too much in wasting time about my own thoughts about what's good or bad. Um, But yeah, it's good when someone like Craig Newmark makes a profession that might have unsteady career projects. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a good thing to study. It's a good thing for people to be skilled at journalism
0: and it's really important. The one pushback I would give, and this, this was, I read the story and I agree that it's really cool to see him do this and I love the idea behind it, but uh, it kind of, and, and Sean, what you were saying earlier about policy and the sort of the things that occur as a result of policy What I see here is part of what I think is a trend that is really – it gives me a lot of mixed feelings. Um, And this this week, Friday night, we had one of these events where we were at a charity event. It's a local charity that I serve on the board of, and it's the Hospitals Foundation, right? And earlier, uh, a couple of months ago, we were at another charity event for another local board that I serve on for the Schools Foundation. And we were talking about that, that like – we go to these fundraisers to support health care and education with all of this private money. And the reason that we have to have these fundraisers, the reason that he has to give this money is because of the out and out attack, decades long attack on education funding and specifically higher education funding, uh, which that's the they started the attack and it's shifted to, All all public schools and all public funding. You know, when I was an undergrad uh, at the University of Central Missouri, which is a state school, it was the first time that that school's budget went under 50% public funds, which meant it was tuition and private, you know, investment and things like that that they were using to fund the school. And that is the goal, right? They want to push the funding private so that they can exclude more people. That's how you keep people from, you know, raise yourself up by your bootstraps. Well, my bootstraps were books and that's how I did that. And it's only because of, you know, public funding for education that that was able to happen. And so, you know, that that's, that's just, it's just one of those, like, I'll just those little red flags of like, this is great, but
1: right. Well, no, right. So I'm not. I'm not I just. So here's what I'll say, sort of a counter to that. So people go to school to study things that they think they can do for a prof- as a profession, so they can support their families and make money. And journalism is a is is aside from the issues that you just mentioned, which are huge and and numerous. No one's going to study journalism because they're not going to be able to make any money in it. Which means that even with plenty of funding um university systems are going to be pressured to to increase funding for nursing programs um uh, maybe even actual education programs so that we, we can mm-hmm. you know foster more teachers and things like that they're not going to increase their funding internally for training journalists because nobody wants to be a journalist anymore because it's a shitty job so right. i think that like i i think what really happened is that Craig Newmark took And again, like I'm not countering any of the things that you just said, I completely agree. I just think that it's sort of like two different, we're talking about two different beasts. This one to me is Craig Newmark took a small sliver of his fortune so that we could talk about the nest, the importance of using anything that we can to create grant structures to, to keep journalism alive. Because if there's no conduit for jobs, no one's going to go study it. So if they don't go into debt. If they can afford to easily study it, then Mom and Dad or whoever are going to be like, "Yeah, go get a journalism degree." That's great.
0: And that was the the counter in my own head was, however, if this can be seen as a model of how it should look, yeah, right as far and, as these types of programs go, and, and we're the,
1: talking about it, right. Yeah, like exactly. that's the point is we're talking about it. Exactly. And so we need to have the, the for me, the bigger issue isn't so much the issue you just talked about, which is just a, a general sort of macro thing the micro thing is how are we going to reimagine journalism in a country where it doesn't make money anymore and it has to be through nonprofit means i think i think mm-hmm. i've been saying that for a while that we need sort of either independent media nonprofit media things like that but we need it really quickly so i think if mr newmark continues to investigate the um Uh, Sort of the infrastructural issues of journalism Particularly in a place like New York Where Wall Street's there That's like one of the major seats of power Of the planet Um, So that means that maybe we're going to You know, we'll have another generation Of really, really, really good um, Finance reporters, which is very important Um, It's similarly to I would really love to see the Washington Post And Jeff and their billionaire owner Create fellowship programs um, So that like 30 to 100 you know, grad students can come through every year, afford the rent in D.C., mm-hmm. and like become really good, like on the ground um, political journalists. We'll talk about that in a minute. So that's yeah. why I thought it was a big thing because it's it's creating avenues for conversation more as much as it does anything else.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Well, let's move on to the big one. And now the big one.
2: Before you get too launched into this, I just want to correct my record really fast. I don't want to yeah. be. Indulging in any victim blaming of people who like two topics ago, uh, received threats for running for office. That's not what I was saying. What I'm saying is if you're thinking about running for office and you're a Democrat in a red area, social media does not need to be part of your, campaign. <laughs> you don't have to you're do saying It's not the advantage that's that it, it,
0: <laughs> that's not the end. all be all of a campaign. Like don't, don't right. assume that that's the place to be.
2: Like if you're worried about it, you don't have to just ignore it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. All right. The big one, Republicans across the country are having just big, big feelings, buddy. I know you're having a tough time right now and let's talk about it and let's take a breath and let's to the nose and out. Let's just let's just take a moment uh, and just make sure, you know, what happened before you got so upset. So um, Michigan, Missouri, Arizona. We just talked about Colorado earlier. uh, It's happening all across the board in Michigan, the GOP chair, Christine Caramo, rightly ousted, says RNC lawyers. That would be the Republican national. <laughs> the party's lawyers said, yeah, no, she, she should have been uh, gone. Uh, so that crazy thing was happening in Missouri. The Missouri Senate leadership uh, which is its own funny term. The Missouri uh, Senate leadership uh, had a press conference. Missouri of uh, Missouri is a uh, supermajority, and so the Republicans uh, can control everything. And they and they did. They exercised some control uh, by stripping members of their own party from all positions and committees and chairmanships and everything. And then, and then, and then, and then they took away their parking spaces and made them park farther <laughs> away, which is just the cherry on top of the whole thing. And that story, there's a whole rabbit hole there. And then in Arizona, the GOP chairman resigns after uh, tape suggests attempt to break- carry Lake. Sean and I talked about this on Friday uh, on the flyover view show. So all that's happening across the country right now. Um, Sean, which of these stands out to you the most? If, if any of them, I mean, we talked about Arizona some on Friday, but uh, you know, from a political standpoint, as you're looking at this landscape, like what's the overarching thought that you're having?
2: The overarching thought that I can't get past is just that Missouri Senator Caleb Rowden is embarrassed because that's what he said. (laughs) And That's the reason he cited for all the actions he's taking. I'm still waiting for some better, more interesting details. Right. (laughs) Honestly, I'm, you know, Mr. Rowden, give me the dirt. Like, what is it just that you're embarrassed? Because that's what he cited. I watched a 19 minute press conference. So Rashida Tlaib was censured in the United States House of Representatives for her comment about from the river to the sea, right? She was almost censured or maybe she was for saying we should impeach the motherfucker with Donald Trump. Caleb Rowden is taking these steps against the other Republicans in his caucus because he's embarrassed. And until I hear a better different reason that he's saying, that's all I've got.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's, (laughs) let's not miss the forest for the trees here. Uh, State Senator Caleb Rowden is running for Secretary of State. Uh, He is, of course, (laughs) plenty friendly with some of the gubernatorial candidates. Uh, And of the people who are uh, stripped of these chairmanships and committee assignments and parking spaces, one of them is running for governor. One of them is running for Secretary of State. Uh, All of them are basically trying to get to higher office. So these – I mean it's a a group of – Basically, it's a let me let me simplify it for the non-Missouri people. There's this group of major assholes inside of this larger group of regular assholes, and the major assholes have really pissed off the regular assholes, and so now the regular assholes have decided they can't. It's okay to be an asshole. It's just not okay to. to shit on everything all the time. You can only shit sometimes on some things. And so that's basically what has gone on. So we have assholes policing assholes. And anytime that's what's going on, you're going to wind up with shit on everything so that's the real <laughs> problem that, that we have here
2: For uh, our second live recording last week we tried not to curse this week we have not been
0: trying to well, i don't we, know we, I, don't, we, I just don't know another way any,
1: we haven't dropped any we've dropped any f-bombs i dropped a squirrely. very light We're one sin- earlier
0: but i yeah. i do i don't We're i just don't know a better you, way was, to explain sir, that, this
1: sir that was in reference to sinclair media they that's they've, true. they've earned a, a reference to ducking before yeah. um i just want to drop in and say that like you know um, this doesn't not look like the US House of Representatives in terms of the like the break, the breakup, the breakdown of like there's these major assholes over here and these sort of like standard variety assholes, and they're fighting each other and they can't get anything done because they're so busy cannibalizing their own uh distrust and dislike uh for themselves. Um, it looks just kind of like that to me. I mean, it looks it's sort of like that's what they are now is this, like, bickering group of bitches that just can't, and I mean the dogs, not the women, who just cannot stop nipping at each other. It's so, it is embarrassing, but, like, you're right, Sean, embarrassment is not a reason to strip someone of their right to be i am I'm gonna use uh, Adam's words, a major asshole. It's not. You're right.
2: I was gonna right. say also just in the little chess game of, you know, how Caleb Rowden is dealing with his big feelings and his embarrassment, um, <laughs> by getting them off of committees, you know, I once in my storied professional background was an intern at the state legislature here in Colorado. And, you know, members have to be there. And so, like when in like an anti union vote in Wisconsin and they talked about, you know, the the members fleeing state lines. And then, you know, what can the highway patrol do and what's going to happen? This is all because states have statutes that say our representatives and senators have to be there Mm -hmm. when we're in session. So by kicking them off committees, most of the time in Colorado anyway, the morning is like floor action. And then as soon as that ends, upon adjournment, as the schedule says, the committees meet. And if you're in a committee, you have to be there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you're not in a committee i guess you can go straight to your phone and start antagonizing caleb Rowden on social media while he's stuck in committees which is very
0: much what these people do i mean that's their hobby is to say the most remarkably thoughtless things possible on social media and then a bunch of you know people respond to it and it's a it's that's how they have fun that's their hobby in in this time rachel uh michigan arizona anything anything further here oh, just man. generally speaking i don't
1: know so yeah so michigan so here's here's what's going to happen um i think i i don't like predictions but it's like you know it's not like i'm good it's like it's like looking outside seeing seeing it's raining know that it's going to keep raining for three days and being like i think there's going to be some floods you know like i'm not really like going far out on the limb to say that um Donald Trump is going to have a very difficult time carrying Arizona now because Carrie Lake is his person and Donald Trump wants to punish uh, sort of organized politics. That's his enemy, he's decided, because he is that guy. He is a um, full-on nihilist. Uh, and so these people are following in his footsteps thinking that somehow he will, by just force of will, become the president again and their brand of politics will keep them in power. That's what Carrie Lake is counting on. Carrie Lake betrayed the head of the Arizona Republican party. He was from what I understand, um, thought they were having a conversation about whether or not she should run. He was like, dude, don't do it Ryan. Right please, please. Like he mm-hmm. basically said, I'll, I'll like, what do you need? I, what am I right? He said something like, what do you need for, for you to not run or something? And she, it sounds like a, he was offering her a bribe. So basically Carrie Lake executed a sting operation against the head of her own state party to prove a point, presumably so she can get her own person in there, I guess, probably without understanding that you don't need your own person, boo-boo. You need someone who's going to be able to get out the boat in a state that your guy lost Narrowly, but still lost And you've got a really dynamic Senate campaign going on With a really dynamic and well-respected And well-liked Democrat Who's running for Senate Uh, You just lost statewide election Pretty handily, by the way, she lost Um, And the Democrats Control your state now So that is like, you know, at a time again I'm going to say this again, at a time where you need The whole machine humming along You need everybody in lockstep. You need everybody raising money. You need everybody like calling all the volunteers and getting all your local committees together. You need marching orders. They need direction. These things do not self-sustain in the way that people think they do. The RNC can only do so much. It's up to these local and state parties. So in Michigan, if the state party is spending money on attorneys and court filings just to assert their own charter. That's all they're doing. They're not doing anything else, but asserting their own governance. If that's what they're wasting time on, instead of raising money, attending local committee meetings, figuring out where they need to like reinforce their, I mean, Michigan is even, even more serious than Arizona in some state, because if you lose one of those states, you're done. That's over. It's it. You're done. You're done. You can't, you got to carry, but you got to carry one of them. Um, and I don't see how it's possible, but when they haven't even really started in earnest, figuring out how they're going to make sure that their nominee wins in 2024, they're busy figuring out who is actually in charge of their state party. So those are, uh, I mean, if you're a Democrat, you're looking your chops, but I look at that, like chaos is never good for anybody. Um, let's just. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll game this out a little bit further than I'll, I want to hear what Sean has to say, because this is like so his wheelhouse, and I just can't wait. Um, let's just let's just game this out for a second. Let's say that Nikki Haley pulls a miracle and defeats Donald Trump, okay, in the primary. Let's just say that happens. It could happen. Weirder things have happened. It probably won't, but it could. She's going to be dealing with a party in, in these swing states that will rebel against her, because that's what they do now to Republicans like her, they're going to call her a rhino. They're not going to help her. If Donald Trump wins, they're going to take all of their marching orders from him and his campaign infrastructure can only do so much in these really critical swing states. So, um, to Carrie Lake, I say, have fun lying in the stupid shitty bed you made for yourself. Um, to Michigan, I say it couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. Why did you ever let an election denier run your party in the first place, you dumbasses? Um, it's hard not to just be completely like, just we've, we've like earned a little bit of the sang froid, right? Yeah. Like, haven't we, right?
0: I think that's fair. Sean, close us out on this one.
2: Sure. Yeah. Michigan and Arizona, they really. Have some problems. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> these are these are must-win states for Democrats in the Senate, and they're must-win states for anyone who wants to win nationally, just like you said, Rachel. Um, when Trump was elected president, even though he lost the popular vote, he won the Electoral College votes of Michigan and Arizona, and... Yeah, they're they're in trouble. The Republicans there are really, really in trouble. And I so hadn't just, even thought, Rachel, about what you said about like yeah. almost w- beating Trump in the primary could in some ways be the worst thing Nikki Haley could do, could do
1: in herself. her life,
2: not even just right. her professional life, but just as a human being.
1: And can you, can you remind <laughs> everybody, when was the last time that a Republican won statewide election in the great state of Arizona? I believe it was 2016, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds that right?
0: right. That sounds right. Yeah, he might because, have won something
2: in 2018.
0: Well, it was 2018 governor. was uh, the astronaut himself, right? In, in that when he was elected to the Senate? No,
1: that's Cinema was elected. Kelly was, was a uh, special election and then oh. won again in the midterms. Okay, so he, that's right. He won in 2020 and 2022. 2020, so he won twice. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Kelly won twice. Two time. Two yeah. times. No, yeah. That's
2: right. And that would have been, yeah, in, upon the death of Senator McCain. Um, the first time and then for this full term, but yeah, uh, Arizona had a Republican governor and Katie Hobbs barely won. She barely beat Carrie Lake by only 10,000 votes. And if they, if you were to rerun that election now, you know, I really, I can't imagine what would happen. Um, and with Cinema and Gallego and Lake or, and some Republican, you know, it's just going to be a really wild Senate race all year long. So
1: so yeah. Sean do you know have you I I didn't have time to check this has cinema actually officially said she's going to run as an independent. I know she was still kind of hanging back and she's still like I don't know like maybe I, I it feels like I still don't I don't have a sense that she's going to run again.
2: Right, right. I mean she's raising money um but and you know it's Arizona so uh you know there are a lot of independents so I think she's coming in as an incumbent and she's coming in you know with some momentum but i think once she i don't think she's like launched her campaign as an independent um that's what i mean yeah yeah right
1: no you're gonna have to if if, if uh if she loses you know you're gonna have to buy mcdonald's for the whole team right <laughs>
2: that's <laughs> so true a
1: promise i was given well, a promise. i'd love to see McDonald's her from-
2: lose to gallego yeah. um
1: yeah, I think I think Gallego's gonna be. I'm gonna call it. I think Gallego's gonna be the next senator from Arizona. That would be anyway. great. Right. Yeah, that would it?
0: be awesome. Speaking of uh, the next senator and all of all of that good stuff, we're gonna move on here to the 2024 fun. All right, the 2024 election, and there is new new drop is coming for that. By the way, uh, work has happened in the background. Shout out to Elliot who is. Uh, Excellent at this stuff and what what an awesome addition having that is going to be. Uh, I just didn't have time this week. So <clears throat> this week you get one of the things that I already had on hand uh, ready to roll. But it's going to get better. we got lots of weeks left to talk about the election too, so it's going to be fun. Our 2024 election coverage era, we're in that. By the way, the era thing, uh, if you haven't noticed, if you haven't seen any commercials lately, in the last 48 hours I have seen a Suave commercial about we're in our whatever hair era, and a Tostitos commercial, which is four women sitting on a couch, all in football gear, uh, and mostly Chiefs stuff, eating different bags of Tostitos chips, talking about how they're entering their Super Bowl era, and their winning era. So, if you are one of those people out there, like I don't know, Taylor Swift, blah blah blah, it's time to shut up. It's time to buy in. It's time to realize that uh, it's coming. Um, and they even made a joke on Saturday Night Live uh, watching it uh, this past week. Dakota Johnson was the host, and she had a picture of her at the SNL 40th. And in the picture is like all these people, right, because the audience was just all celebrities. And in the picture is like Sarah Palin and uh, just a, a ton of people, including Donald Trump. And she's like, I can't believe I was that close to the somebody who would be one of the most powerful people on the planet. And then it pans down in the picture, and in front of her – was taylor swift and that was the entire joke was looking at donald trump and panning to taylor swift ha 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 and it was a very effective joke so we're in our election coverage era uh to kick it off there's a lot to talk about we're going to get to new hampshire uh that of course you know the primary happened last week and there's results and we'll talk about what it's looking like moving forward but first this this little just wonderful little cherub popped up out of nowhere. Uh, the Washington Times has the report uh, that I have pulled, and the headline here. Uh, I texted it to Sean and Rachel last night so that we could all have a, a beautiful, sensual Saturday evening with this headline: RNC, <laughs> RNC seeking new credit line to help climb out of money hole. Uh, that is the headline on The Washington Times. And, folks, if you're not familiar with The Washington Times, uh, we've had a former reporter for The Washington Times on, and uh, Mika Solner, she's very smart. She's moved on to different different projects. The Washington Times is right-leaning, straight up. They are a right-leaning, at the very least, if not more than that.
1: That's That's probably like a – pretty sizable understanding.
0: right that's like saying like like, we're left leaning like duh yeah yeah Uh, yeah totally yeah right uh the the cash-strapped republican national committee will consider opening a line of credit when members gather for their winter meeting that starts uh tuesday in las vegas according to the washington times report this is by carrie pickett from friday the 26th um rachel why don't you react to this one first and then i'll we'll toss it over to sean
1: well, I like anything, anytime I see a picture of Ronna McDaniel and a headline that makes her look like the incompetent nitwit liar piece of crap that she is. Um, thanks. Thank you, Mitt Romney, for her. Uh, your greatest legacy is settling your own party with your niece. Um, uh, so that's so, I, you know, so basically like what seems to be happening and then I really want to hear what I want to say is that all the small donors in the, the Republican base, because the primaries are made up of your most ardent um, voters, your early voters, your, your dedicated uh, uh, base, essentially. And so they're highly partisan. P- p- primary voters are highly, highly, highly partisan. And it would seem that all those small individual donations that are the lifeblood of any party are going to, one, Donald J. Trump and not going to the party because that's what he's... Telling them to do and the corporate donors according to this article are like, um, God, we spent so much money in the midterms and we just did not get the return on investment that we wanted. And you guys won't get rid of Donald Trump and big corporate donors will sit back on their heels if they feel like, and they are, they are,
0: (sighs) Because that's part so of this, they, right? They had a major right, shortfall, major right. shortfall.
1: So they, so we knew this was coming because they said in 2022, after the after the uh, the just the bloodshed of the 2022 cycle for Republicans, a lot of the big donors like Peter Thiel and kind of your louder billionaire class and stuff said i think i'm gonna i think i'm done this is exhausting I don't yeah, teal do specifically
0: again. said it he's just like yeah mm, I'm yeah out. so he was
1: so he was one of trump's big donors in 2016 so he's the reason those. we have
0: that, that we had that gaunt uh uh dude in arizona that ran the horrible white guy with the five o'clock shadow i can't remember his yes, masters
1: like masters yeah, <laughs> yeah for yeah, sure yeah. Yeah. yeah so um I mean, I don't know, you know, I know that it's not i I'll, I'll i'll this is the kind of where I want to start the open the open the bidding for Sean's response is that it's not unheard of for campaigns, particularly. After they get started to access lines of credit, I think Hillary Clinton's mm-hmm. campaign notably ended the campaign cycle in a lot of debt. It, um, very,
0: very common. If, uh, if your candidate is well-to-do, oftentimes that line of credit will be themselves. They will make a loan to themselves. If they right. are not, right. they can go get loans elsewhere. And it's it's part of the campaign finance report. It, they Yeah, you get right. rolling and that's then right. you pay that's back right. the loan over time.
1: What. I don't think is super common, though, is that you're this broke this soon when you have a candidate that's as popular as a former president. That's what blows my... That's what just blows my wig off, is that we're talking about a former one-term president who is unable to help attract big donors to his own party. Sean. Sean.
2: Partially because he is a loser and loses. Um, People with lots of money usually keep pretty close tabs on their money, I've found. Um, They don't like giving big checks to losers. You're allowed to write big checks to national parties. So the max contribution limit, if one of us or any person wants to give to someone running for Congress, is $3,300. If we wanted to give to the RNC or the DNC, we could give $41,300. And so that makes it also embarrassing and ridiculous that, you know, they are the party of the former president who seems to be cruising to his third nomination. And the people who can give $41,000 are politely and sometimes not so politely declining to do so <laughs> um and that's also where a lot of the money for no labels is going you know i don't um i don't shed a tear for you know the the board members of exxon who are thinking well, what are we going to do guys um i they don't actually have real problems um but yeah
0: and of course one of the biggest complaints from folks on the far left right is that uh uh poor poor phrasing, on the far left, comma, right, is that uh, Joe Biden is, right, a corporatist, right, that he gets corporate money that, okay, yeah, I hear you folks, except, you know, policy goals seem pretty good. Uh, And on top of that, that's where corporate corporate money goes to winners, right? The corporations want to pay to know that they're backing the horse. That's why they oftentimes give money to, you know, both political parties, because they just want to make sure that they have a seat at the table and a voice, you know, to be heard, because unlike you and I, they can just pay for that access. And so they do pay for that access with huge donations uh, to these candidates and parties. And that's how trepidatious they are with the whole Trump thing is like, they're not even willing to place a bet, right? They're not even willing to just hedge their bet on the fact that he might win. They're just like, nah, we're just not interested. Like, it's not even worth placing a bet on this.
1: And I would. I do want to hear Sean respond to this because you're far more well equipped to answer this question than I am. Like how how unusual do you think this is this early for the RNC, the comp- the, the party of corporate money to be this broke ass that they need fifteen they need fifteen million dollars to be in the black right now. Right. At this point of the election, how like how unusual is that, do you think?
2: Right. It strikes me as very unusual because the presidential cycle and I will use this to maybe start talking about Nikki Haley a little a little yeah. bit. But perfect. Segment. You know, it's it's two years. So there's the year before Iowa, which mm-hmm. was last year, 2023. And then there's the year of the election, 2024. So we're halfway through the if you're a national party we're halfway through the cycle and they're $15 million in debt. Or I guess they need a loan just to be able to service their debt. They're $15
0: million behind the money they expected and projected and required.
2: Gotcha. Right, right. So that's bad, Um, especially because the other party is in power. So usually that would really motivate donors all through last year, you know, to give and make sure the party is super strong to take back the White House. But you really don't, You really don't see that you know the party at all levels seems pretty dysfunctional and one way to you know maybe it's not dysfunctional because a lot of people in the party want trump and Mm -hmm. so in that sense it seems to be producing that outcome but in a lot of other ways it's not working um
0: (sighs) And here, here's some raw numbers. This comes off of the Ballotpedia website, which does a really nice. Uh, ballotpedia.org is a, a really nice aggregator, collector of information about and it's politics. Gotten so much better. It's gotten really good. So yeah, they it's have really
1: killer. Yeah. yeah it's really they good. have
0: uh, major party uh, committee finance for 2023 to 24. So that that uh, date range of 2023, that first year that Sean's talking about, DNC receipts 105 million dollars, RNC receipts. 81.9 million dollars. That's a big big delta between those two numbers, right? That's that's substantial. Uh, DSCC, so the Senate campaign committee for uh, Democrats 66 million, Republicans 68 million, com- pretty comparable. DCCC, the congressional arm of it, uh, 108 million for Democrats, for Republicans congressional arm 84 Another major gulf here between the that parties. That hurts. That that's hurts. A, that's if a I'm, big I, I, difference.
1: That's that's something you don't want to see th- at this point in time. Democratic Ever.
0: Party cash on hand uh, overall eighty five million. Republican cash on hand overall fifty nine million, and the vast majority of the cash on hand for the Republicans is in the the congressional committee, they have 41 of that 59 million is in their congressional coffers, not the big national RNC coffers. They, they have less than 10 million on hand in the big national. The Democrats have 20 on hand in their big national. I mean, it's, it's that simple, right? It's a firefight. And one side has a lot more flamethrowers right now.
2: Right. Right. And I would imagine that that, that, that money will be spent on ads featuring hopefully more stories about the Republicans' attacks on abortion rights. Right. And just based on the fact that it's looking like it'll probably be Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, there's going to be a lot of... uh Tear gas and gallows right. and right. January right. 6th Chaos. imagery on our and, TVs and that, again. And,
0: and that's the a great place to pivot into what happened in New Hampshire and this GOP primary as it continues going on. There's there's chatter about the RNC at their meeting trying to basically pass a resolution to just declare Trump the victor of the primary. And it makes more sense if you look at the money because – like. A, it's going to be seen as an undemocratic move. It's going to piss people off. If you say like – remember how pissed off people were in 2016 about the way they – like the people felt that the the DNC basically said we're not going to allow Bernie to win this primary? So now flip that on its head. That's going to piss people off. But it makes more sense if you think about the terms of – They want to stop the primary cycle because this shit costs money, right? These all of this stuff that they're doing costs the party money. It's going to continue to cost the party money. Meanwhile, their standard bearer at the moment just received another money judgment against him. This one for eighty three million dollars because of his defamation of his rape victim. Uh, which is just absolutely bananas insane. He's such an incredibly unlikable monster of a human being that the jury in that case awarded three times the amount of money that was initially asked for in damages uh, because of the golem that Donald Trump has uh, represents and, you know, is now and, um, It's just absolutely bananas. So, of course, why wouldn't Sean like why wouldn't they want to short circuit this the the cycle and just say this is done. We don't want to hear any more. No more Trump attacks. No more money spending. Let's get out of here. But then you look at New Hampshire and, you know, Biden. Rolls New Hampshire easy in a write in, you know, primary campaign. So, if anybody who was like, ooh, New Hampshire is going to be the last stand for Dean Phillips, um, well, I guess he should sit down then because no more standing is necessary. For yeah, Mr. Where, Phillips. Are
1: those, where are those? Where's that like warehouse of t shirts? That, yeah. that, 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 that like, uh, yeah, that storage space of t shirts that have to be thrown out now.
0: Yeah, he did a real uh, general custard like performance. Uh, Haley performed very well, uh, but. You know, Donald Trump still won enough of the uh, delegates there for the media to do their thing uh, of, you know, Trump dominant victory, another sweeping victory. Uh, Again, there's like 20 delegates in New Hampshire, 22 delegates or something like that. So Donald Trump has a slight marginal lead in delegates at this point in time, uh, which is completely capturable, depending on what happens in South Carolina and Super Tuesday. Uh, Rachel, you want to weigh in here and then we'll get back to Sean.
1: Yeah. I just want to say, Sean, you did a really great job talking about Nikki Haley's path to victory. And I still think it, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard and she's got to, uh, she's going to have to scrabble. But I agree with, with you, Adam, that like the coverage the day after I was just like, oh my God, you guys, like I could have written all these headlines for you because of how predictable you are. Um, but, uh, you know, if I'm the Trump campaign, which I've read is like fairly buttoned up, like they're, they're kind of, they're adults. Um, I don't know how much that can really compensate for the chaos that he creates. And it's early enough in the cycle that I still wonder who's going to quit because they don't get paid. And, you know, it's 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 early days for the Trump campaign. They haven't really had to do a lot of work yet either. Like the, the Trump campaign still has been able to sort of sit back and just be like, these are easy wins. He doesn't have to really show up in public. He doesn't have to do anything. Um,
0: Plus, it's like the C minus team on a good day.
1: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like they're pretty good. It sounds like, but like, again, like, okay. So you're a midget amongst giants. I mean, like how hard is it really to campaign against like Vivek Ramaswamy and, you know, Chris Christie and these people that no one really cares about. Um, and as we go into South Carolina, I think that is where if you know, she's been completely unsuccessful in picking up any endorsements in her own state, uh, so far. Right. Uh Scott, Scott easily went decided that he was gonna just turn coat right to Trump, which is obnoxious. Um, Nancy Mace, who is someone who was helped by uh uh I just I just Nikki Haley, sorry, I forgot her name. The coffee's still kicking in. Um she endorsed Trump. Uh so she's I guess probably Nick as far as Nikki's concerned, she's teased a southern statement forever uninvited to the barbecue. Um So I don't know, like, that's what I think is kind of still very much up in the air is now that these national abortion conversations are becoming more substantial because the data is just so galling and so tragic and so physically traumatic to listen to and hear. I don't see where I don't I still don't see where Nikki Haley's lane is, but I want her to have a strong showing in South Carolina and on Super Tuesday, because I don't want Trump to be the nominee. I, you know, right. that's, I don't know, you know, like that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. But if you go back to that analysis you did, Sean, I want to know where you think we are right now with her and that.
0: And I want to add this quote to it, uh, as you jump in, Sean. So this is from a CNN politics story. Now she is an enemy. Uh, with Haley refusing to drop out of the race, Trump has shifted from viewing her as a primary rival to a full-blown enemy, has grown increasingly angry with her, is what the story says. And then the quote, and this is uh, allegedly a quote, and a, you know it's an anonymous quote, so uh, we'll take it for what that is. It says, before she was a gnat. Now she's an enemy, and Trump plans to bludgeon her and lead up to South Carolina. It seems like in this instance... You know, Nikki Haley is putting the honey pot out there inside of the trap and like has a sign. It's like she's like Bugs Bunny at this point. She's just like, this is a trap. Don't eat this careful. And like he's just going to walk up and just be like, I'll show you and and grab the honey and, you know, may work. Maybe it won't work. I don't know. But Sean, do you think at this point in time that this tactic could actually mean something?
2: I mean, the main thing I'm seeing is that Nikki Haley did not take my advice, unfortunately, for her. I'm scrolling through. I'm looking for the tweets. I'm not seeing anything about a new kind of politics. Nothing.
0: No, she's just playing, come get me, big boy. Like, that's her whole thing. Right, right
2: right. And it's like, imagine, take yourself back to 2008, and if Barack Obama was talking to Hillary Clinton the way Nikki Haley is trying to talk to Donald Trump... It would not work because the base voters in the primary love the opponent, your opponent.
0: Right, right.
2: So – and they're not interested in a logical argument. That's a great argument. analog.
0: That's a really good analog because Obama was the outside lane candidate at first. And it was like Hillary had a ton of early momentum and the like the base All was All these endorsements. There. Yeah. right? Because the
2: party – it's like – and the Clintons, like the Trumps, were famously vengeful <laughs> – And so they had all these endorsements locked up. So Barack Obama's running for president of the United States, running for the Democratic nomination against the presumptive nominee, universally known and beloved by many person. And he got he talked about issues in terms of how they're so broken. And so I Mm -hmm. think Haley has tried to blame Trump and Biden together for the border and inflation
0: specifically,
2: yeah. and kind of trying to do that same thing that Barack Obama did with the wars and health care. But she's not doing it effectively because she is talking too much about Trump. And a lot of the Smarty Pants articles have said, like, Nikki Haley needs to let loose and criticize Trump. And I'm not saying she needs to be afraid of Trump, but she's choosing not to do what she needs to do, which is talk about a new kind of politics and how she is someone who can get past She's just wanting us to believe her, that she's better than the uh, these other two old guys. And can't we do better? Yes, we can. I think it's really <laughs> telling. Yes, yes, si se puede. Yes, we but can. But she's not saying, yes, we can. Yeah, You know, she's I saying, it's, it's me.
1: Just to fold that into what you're saying, Sean, I think it's really interesting that, like, when Liz Cheney has the option of saying... This is what I think people like me should do. And Nikki Haley is alleging that she represents people like Liz Cheney, right? That's what she's, that's the lane she's trying to carve out for herself, which is not a great one. I agree with you. The norm core lane is not, "Mm, that's not going to win a primary. Liz Cheney was like, Oh, just vote for Biden. And Liz Cheney's a politician. Why would you talk about politics? (laughs)
0: Right. <laughs> well, because because she's like
1: because she's like if you care about this country right now, you should vote for Joe Biden. So Liz Cheney did not say go register as a Republican and vote for my friend Nikki Haley. Yeah, she, she was said, like just vote, vote for, for Joe Biden. Yeah, so when it. she said that, I was like, oh, Nikki Haley doesn't have a political future anymore. If you can't win over that kind of wouldn't
0: that be a perfect surrogate right cheney out there campaigning with Yes. yes. you know carrying the january 6th water
1: yes yes and cheney was like i'm not doing this this is stupid we have the guy just leave him there it's fine like he's stable he's not disrupting anything you know i think even liz cheney if she knows that she's going to run again she has to be a little bit more softer on labor and softer on abortion and all these other issues that the hard the rights gone really hard on um Oh, that was a terrible phrasing. Sorry, phrasing. <laughs> um,
0: that's right. It's late. The show's show's almost over. That's that's a good clue that's, that we're we winding like, down. But
1: that's like when I saw that, I was like, "Oh man, that's got to like that shows you how little politicking Nikki Haley's actually done, or oh. how dis, or how unliked she is." That that you know that the Kinsinger side of the party is like, "Nah, Right. <laughs> I don't think so." <laughs> Vote for Joe Biden. Like- yeah,
0: they're just not even touching it. Just not even touching. It. Which is a good place to end it. Uh, we uh, hopefully, as you're listening to this, uh, hopefully it's a celebratory day in the Midwest and the Chiefs are on to yet another Super Bowl uh, after besting the Baltimore Ravens. And if not, uh, you know we'll soldier on. We'll make it. Uh, but uh, I know, I know, Sean will be joining me this afternoon and enjoying that game rachel i don't know if you guys bother to watch that stuff but if you do it's going to be i a don't good think one.
1: that we i don't think that we can where is it uh, To pay for it now and i don't no think no we no. Pay this will it. be
0: on cbs so it'll be on uh on regular standard national yeah. cbs maybe
1: we'll watch maybe we'll do what we, we often do with uh championship level uh games and watch the last five minutes or something maybe this,
0: this should be a good one i think chiefs ravens is going to be i think it's going to be All a hell right. of a game yeah right. sean sean do you have a prediction before we go
2: no, I don't know enough to predict. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. That's fair enough. <laughs> I'm going to say Chiefs 20, Ravens 17 in overtime. And the two marquee quarterbacks get overshadowed by the kickers because the Ravens kicker is like the greatest kicker of all time. And I think he's going to miss. And our kicker, who is like the second, like he's like the replacement greatest kicker of all time, uh, is going to make in overtime. And it's going to be, that's going to be the story. Yeah. Of, Butker
2: of the, put the Dolphins away two weeks ago pretty yeah. much, right? Is yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah, what yeah. happened? Yeah. yeah,
0: he's unfortunately a little bit of a Nazi, but outside of that, uh, he's a hell of a kicker, so he, <laughs> he's, <is> yeah, <laughs> it is It is what it is. So, all right, well, thanks for hanging out, guys, and uh, we'll see y'all later.
1: Thanks. Good to see you.
0: Heartland Pod is a production of Mid Map Media LLC. Producers Adam Summer, Rachel Parker, and Sean Diller. Outro song by American Aquarium, written by BJ Barnum, called The World is on Fire. Learn more about the Heartland Pod at heartlandpod.com. Learn more about American Aquarium at AmericanAquarium.com.
3: Said, what are we gonna do? What's this world coming to? And for the first time in my whole life, I stood there speechless. I'm the home of the afraid Afraid of the world Afraid of the truth Afraid of each other This ain't the country my grandfather fought for But I still see the hate he fought against Give rest to the tired Give mercy to the poor. Give warmth to the hungry. She'll have my fight She'll have her mama's fire If anyone builds a wall in her journey Baby busts right through